At the end of the day, as great as your product is, you will forget about it if the people behind it aren't good. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Account Experience Podcast. And this week, we have a casual conversation around the different levels of promoters you may have at your company. And I know what you're thinking, Ian, promoters are promoters. It doesn't matter. There's no different levels. Blah, blah, blah. Well, not exactly. Carrie and I get into the details and the benefits of creating super promoters for your company. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into the episode. But it's a responsibility the customer has. I mean, you can't expect a brand to stay good forever if you're not doing anything to help it stay good. Right. And and that's the problem with backseat customers. You know, they sit back and they're critical. I look at Apple. Like Apple's this great brand because people are giving feedback and they were constantly saying, this sucks or I wanted to do this. And they would do it. And people are like, yay. And a few people were pissed. Oh, it doesn't do this. And all right, we'll think about that. Let's see if we can bake that up. But at a certain point, people stop doing that. And they're like, all right, show me what you got, Apple. Nothing. Screw you. And it's that's got to shift. That's got to change. Yeah. You know, it's like Chipotle. I, you know, I'm a fan, but what have you done for me lately? I can't have that attitude. I have to. I have to fill out the survey. I have to call a manager over it if somebody is not good. I know that sounds like I'm being a Karen. I get it, but I'm not going to yell and scream about it. I I will do the same thing when you're good too, right? I'll give you positive feedback. Yeah. But I think you're you're like the you're probably the except like you're a vocal person, right? So like you go, you are vocal on both sides of the coin. Where like if you're a promoter, you're an ardent promoter. You are like passionate. You you like for us, for example, when you're a customer, like literally you are out there promoting us, doing conferences with us, talking us up at tables with prospects and we didn't really quote unquote ask you to do that but i think that's just who you are so like i could see why you know when you're you're pissed off i'd go the other way but i don't know if that's it's almost like there's a study to be done about the degree degree of promoter like yeah sure it's nine or ten but like how active are you like i'm guessing there's a lot of like silent promoters out there where it's literally like if you could put it on a scale of one to five you're a five probably or four or five active and there's probably a promoter that's a 10 but is like more like a one or a two that's interesting it's almost uh um an activation or a yeah or an activity meter it's a secondary yeah. metric to promoter yeah and, like, and detractor for, you, you know my feeling same I, thing. I, I just, yeah. yeah i feel detractors are the i think detractors and promoters are separated by one number literally mm. i think they're the same person I, I just think we've disappointed them where we've we've met the expectations of the promoter. That's the only difference yeah. between the two. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but it's it, yeah. I, and, and so my question then is, can a company, is there something a company can do then to improve that or to help that type of person, personality? Can we, can we activate a promoter realistically? Is there a way to do that? Is, um, can we give them permission to be, more outspoken can we give them a guidebook can we you know like and i think that's where i'm coming from with this like what is the customer's responsibility in good service we always talk about the business's responsibility and look we've built an entire organization off of making companies better at customer service or account experience 
yeah. but what's the customer's um, um, responsibility in that? You know, I, I, and it's not, it's not shelling money out. Let's get beyond that. Yes. You got to continue to invest financially. Yeah. If it's good, spend the money. If not, you still have to invest, but what do you invest? Feedback, yeah. comments, whatever. I could think of five things off the top of my list that good customers should do, you know, stay, stay in touch with the news, visit their website. Hey, if you're going to invest, this was the best piece of advice anyone ever gave me. If you're going to invest money, invest in companies that you're a fan of because you're yeah. buying from them. You believe in them. The yeah. minute you stop believing in them, take your money out of that investment. I mean, you, you know, you saw something that, that upset you enough. You, you have an insight to that. I would never invest in cigars. I don't drink cigars. I don't smoke cigars. I don't drink alcohol. You know, I'd probably stay away from those investments. So. It's true though. I mean, that's actually not funny that you said that. Like, that's kind of how I buy my stocks. Like I own Sonos. Like I own right. Green Mountain Coffee Roasters because I drank a ton of their coffee back in the day. It makes total sense. Like people promote by they, they engage in a deeper level with the companies they love when it doesn't just stop at yeah promoting. it's like it kind of becomes like all birds right i mean same type of thing like if i'm bought into everything they do i'm not crazy about the looks of the shoes but yeah i'm still i'm still the, the verdict's still out on their on their clothing line i'm debating if it's oh my god it looks terrible i know <laughs> it looks a little too trendy for me like the the shirts that just look like bags on you Oh my God. Well, I just had a whole bad experience with the whole shoe thing. Like I ordered a yeah. color. It didn't, it didn't fit. They, my size wasn't available even after it was. And it was a little bit of a dancing through hoops. And you think someone would have reached out and said, look, we've seen you bought three pairs from us already. We know you love us. Sorry about that. You know, I'm not even looking for a discount, just an yeah. acknowledgement that I was put through the ringer a little bit. Yeah. And now I'm a little bit triggered, like gun shy around Alberts. I'm like, yeah. So I know it's, it's kind of like made you a, a, a passive, right? At this point, I wouldn't say passive detractor. I don't, I, I don't live in the passive world. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not, but I think passives are quiet. I think passives go, I'm passive with certain things in my life. Um, trying to think of something that would be, I'd be passive on maybe the type of uh, lemonade I buy. I, I wouldn't say I'm overly passionate about it. it it's, it serves a need or, or sugar. I couldn't even tell you what brand of sugar I bought last. I don't know yes. who makes it, but, or milk. Like as, as long as it's not sour, I'll buy any milk on the shelf. I don't even consume that much. I'm passive. So if it's commodity. Whatever, yeah, whatever's cheaper, I'll get it. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I, I'm passionate about certain things and my shoes is one of them, right? I was an Allbirds fan there for a very long time and felt a little, now I'm almost a detractor. Now I'm like, meh. Well, you got, you got a better deal out of them than I did. So I also had an experience. I didn't tell you this, but um, when I first bought my mizzles, which are like the high top wool yeah. ones, the sole. So they use like the whole rubber, reusable rubber sole thing. And the sole after two days, like was peeling off, like to the point where it wasn't like the full sole, but it was like the side where it meets the, um, I can't describe it very well, but. Yeah, I know you're talking about where the sole meets the, 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 the base or the, the shape of the shoe, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like a big deal that affected like the usability or like the long-term viability of the product, but it still pissed me off as a brand new pair of shoes. And it's like, I had these little flaps from the sole that were like coming off already. And so I like made a stink and I did it. And I thought a nice way, but I think the, 
all I got out of them was like $15 off my next shoe. So like the fact that you got, what is that half off? Yeah. They cut me a deal. And, but I'll tell you my, my first experience was great. And that's what won me over. You know, the first shoe I got was too tight and I should have remembered that, but the second shoe I got fit perfectly on my normal size. So it was weird. It was like, every time they come out with a new shoe, I don't, it's a, the consistency is not there. So that's one thing, mm. but my first shoe didn't fit. And I told you, I boxed it, put the label on it. As soon as the shipper received it, they already had another pair coming out to me. And I was like, wow, like I could be sending them an empty box and they trust me. And mm. I was like, that's a smooth move. That's really nice. And they offered me a discount and I got the runner, whatever that is. The, yeah. the, the, I, I always come up with fun names for them, but they're not right. Um, and it's a, it's a comfortable shoe. It's nice. And I like, I like the, I like even what they do in social media and their messaging is great. And then, but this last experience was a little bit tough pill for me to swallow. So yeah. It reminds me of, um, it's the guy that just, uh, Tony Hesaya. Hesaya. Yeah. Um, CEO of Zappos. He just died the other day, which is crazy. I saw that 40, like 46. Yeah. Uh, house fire, um, which is ridiculously terrible. But um, have you ever read that book? Uh, was it Delivering Happiness? Yeah, we um, we used it for something at Arias. One nice. Of our VPs brought it in. Yeah. But they did a lot of that where they trust the customer and ship out like the existing new shoes before you get the other pair back type of thing. Yeah. Apple does that now too with their iPhone trade-in where they'll ship you the new phone and then they just send an empty box after the fact and have you send it in. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Like just trust is like one of those things that if you treat people like humans and just assume they're good, um, it creates a decent feeling. Cause like you said, that was probably one of the higher points in right. that experience yeah. for you. Yeah. Without a doubt. No, I think, I think trust is, is huge because why do we make buying decisions? You and I trust, right? Yeah. Are we getting our money's worth? If something goes wrong, are they going to be there to back me up? And when I go to use this item for whatever I'm going to use it for, well, can I trust that it's going to do what they promised it would deliver, whatever that might be? Yeah. And I know, again, I, I have this tendency to really simplify, oversimplify these things, but are shoes going to be comfortable? Are, is, you know, computer parts going to work when I put them in my computer? And, and, and if I run into a problem, especially a problem that you created. Yeah. I think that's the yep. other piece. Yep. Too many companies don't own the mistakes they make. Yeah. And it's hard. We're in, we're in a society now where nobody wants to admit fault. We're so scared to. I mean, I, I think we all have our natural defenses up with everything. I do it myself. I get it. I understand where it comes from because you can almost get attacked or, or knocked down because of it. But um, another thing, so... Going into last week, I have a secondary computer I use as a server and different things. Look at and, you. And um, I have a company I go to. I guess I'll throw it out there, Newegg. Yeah, they've, like always, they've always been pretty good. I can get a sales guy on the phone and he'll walk me through the components. And it's become a little more complicated now to buy a motherboard of CPU, memory, so on and so forth. That all works together. And yeah, I can comb through websites for two hours, three hours and get it all married together. I have no problem doing that, but when I'm ready to spend my cash, a company should be happy to take it from me and, and provide that service. So they have this new feature on their site called um, PC Builder. Hmm. And you pick your CPU you want, and then you pick your motherboard, and then you pick your, and, and, but it gives you suggestions. So once you make your first selection, it filters the rest. So only things that work with what you pick 
go with it. Now this seems pretty obvious, right? This is, this is not genius technology, you would hope, you know? So I picked out a processor. I thought this is, this is a budget processor. I'm not spending a million bucks here, but yeah. it suggested some motherboards. I grabbed the motherboard, then it had memory. I said, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll splurge on some good memory here. Um, I need a case or whatever. So I pulled some components together. I wanted it expedited. This was gonna be my long weekend project to work on and it arrives. I, I'm unpacking, I'm a, kid, I'm a kid on Christmas morning, right? I'm opening all my stuff up that's all laid out. Across the top of the motherboard box, it only has two processors in the world that won't work with this. And it's the one that the website suggested for me to buy with it. Oh no. <laughs> I paid for expedited shipping. I bought all the components. I used their tool to do it. Yeah. Thinking this would be easier. And now I'm left with a lump of coal, you know? And I was just kind of like, <laughs> so I get on the phone and it's all the things they couldn't do for me. It was all the things that, well, we don't take processors back. We can only give you the same item back. It's like, all right, I hate to do this. I hate to be this person. Can I talk to a supervisor? Ew, yeah. And then the girl kept coming back and wouldn't put the supervisor on. I said, look, I'm not, I don't want my money back. Keep my money and I'll even pay more. I guess what I'm asking here for, what is easier? Do I send the motherboard back? Do I send the process? Tell me what's easier and I'll do it. I just want to build a computer, please. That's all. <laughs> it, I just, it was so simple. And I, yeah. and I went from being like this raving fan of Newegg and actually I would even spend a few dollars extra to throw business their way and talk about them. Yeah. So now I'm on the other spectrum. It's like, here I am three weeks later and I still don't have all my components. Dave, this morning, actually, uh, our director of CSM at Customer Gage had a great way to describe this concept, which is literally, you could be going to the best restaurant in the world, it's your spot, you know, you have a bad meal, and all of a sudden you have second thoughts about going back, or maybe it's the first time you've ever tried that restaurant, and you have a bad meal. How many times do you go back to a place that has a bad meal on the first time around? Pretty rarely, right? If ever. And you're experiencing your run of the, your, your favorite spot that you go and you get your specific meal every time you had one bad meal. And now all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe you got sick from that meal. And I don't know if I'd go back. I would maybe go back in a couple months. I would maybe have reservations. It, it does create that cognitive kind of block for that yeah. brand. I mean, that, that's a, that's a big thing. I mean, that's, well, you stop, and you stop to go to them for other solutions too. So yeah. let's, Let's bring this into our world, right? Yeah, yeah. We're helping people with, with getting their revenue uploaded so they can analyze that based on sentiment, getting feedback from customers so they can react quickly and, and close the loop. We're working on integrating systems so they can see everything in one place, right? Yeah. But we're a software company, guys. This is what we do. But what happens when we burn someone on the first thing? Yep. We don't want to go forward. But what happens if, if, if in that relationship, they loved us on some things, but we let them down somewhere in that journey. If yeah. we don't own that letdown, we don't make it right when we can, the next time they have an opportunity or they need something, we're not going to be high on the list. Mm -hmm. And they'll go into everything with caution. And I just, I, I, we used to call this recovery in the restaurant world. We used to love recovery opportunities. I know this sounds crazy, but we used to love when something went wrong because this was our opportunity to shine. Mm. No one, no one ever remembers when everything is good. Yeah. When you roll into your favorite, let's go back to your favorite restaurant. When you go into your favorite restaurant, you get your meal and it was hot. The kids got their French fries early because they were hungry and they got to nibble on those, right? You're smiling because you're a parent. You get that, yeah, right? 
They got their drinks in their sippy cups so they don't spill all over the place. I mean, all these considerations taking place, you just assume that this is expected. This is why we keep coming here. So your bar goes up and they have to maintain that. Now it's maintenance on that. And it gets even harder to exceed your expectations. When something does go wrong, that's our opportunity to go in and recover, mm. even a really good customer. Mm. And you can look at these as like boo-boos or, oh my God, we screwed up or we didn't keep them happy. Or you can look at them as like, this is my opportunity to shine. You know, like anyone can manage when things are smooth and there's nothing going on. Yeah. How do you manage? How do you lead when shit hits the fan? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's true. And that's what people remember 100%. Like I can already in my head queue up like 10 instances of this happening at restaurants or like different areas um, that I've like purchased things. And it's you're 100% right, man. It's like, I don't remember the everyday normal occurrences. I remember when something went wrong and how that feeling that I got based off of the interaction, right? And I think that's why it's so powerful is because uh, humans are emotional beings that got remember it, emotions and emotional triggers are some of the most powerful things that you can utilize not only as a marketer but as a human trying to get a human to do something else is emotional triggers are king and are always will be i'm sure you've heard this the 99 one rule but we've put so much attention on the one bad so yeah. if you look at all of your responses you get 99 wonderful you're great terrific pats on back we get you we love you and then there's this one that comes through that's just ugly we put all of our attention and energy on that one. Yep. And it, it's just natural instinct for us to do. And we, we ruin our whole day, our whole week based on this one feedback and we forget the 99. And yep. it's, 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 unfortunately it's just human nature is what we do, but we can't let the one outweigh the 99. Hmm. Address it, fix it. If it's an ongoing problem, don't let it happen. We talk about that every week, Ian. You and I, we constantly are telling people, close the loop, learn, strategic. But, but there's, there's a responsibility to all the 99 customers not to derail what you do so well based on that, that one. And, and, and this leads to something else I think you and I talked about weeks ago, like one of our first chats, empowering the front line, the decision makers. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than someone saying like, like looking with like shock, like they, they want, they, you know, they want to say the right thing, but they don't have permission. So they need to wander off and ask a manager. <laughs> And I think that's why we've been default, like put your manager on because you don't seem to be able to make this decision. It's not a yeah. hard decision to keep me happy. No, it's so know? true. And I, I think if more companies gave that power away, trust, back to the trust word, right? So don't only trust your customer, but trust the person who's literally helping that customer to make the best decision. You know what I think? I think we're stuck in... The 80s and the 90s when it comes to customer service for the majority of businesses of course there's a couple of very shining examples of amazing customer service and experienced companies but our run of the mill like you said that that person that you have to ask for the manager because you know they're just giving you their script of what they've been trained to do when a customer has an issue and you know they're rolling through the rolodex of like all right what's my rebuttal for this and you, you can just tell so i think what's happened is this worked maybe back 20, 30 years ago when I, maybe consumers were dumber. I don't think that was either even the case back then, but like that's what the commonly accepted training program was, is like give this Rolodex of rebuttals. I think people are way smarter now. They see through the bullshit and the companies that shine, exactly what you're saying, Carrie, they enable 
frontline staff to make on-the-fly decisions that are best for the customer. And that's where the dollars and cents are being made. And that's where transformative experience can shine is when you, I'll give you a B2B example because we're on the account experience program, right? The, the, uh, the podcast, if you will. Um, if you get a detractor, let's say you have a product pop-up. So you're a SaaS company, you have a product pop-up, you have a detractor and they give you the feedback in the app itself. How amazing would it be instead of three days later, you get a follow-up um, from the account executive or from the CSM saying, hey, I saw you were a detractor three days ago when you're in the product. You know, would love to talk to you about it. Can we set up some time and you make their life harder? How amazing would it be if in the app itself, when that pop-up happens and they select that detractor score, you set up a live chat that immediately hits them up in the app while they're using it and saying, hey, you're a detractor. What's going on? How can I help? I mean, that's when we talk about like next level experiences, that's that's what are, where I think we're going. It's real time, exactly what you're saying, troubleshooting, giving front laps, frontline staff the ability to solve problems, give them the trust. And I think it works both internally for your employees and externally for your customers. Like if you just trust people to do their job, oh man, is that powerful. And, and I, th I know that's a really difficult thing for management to, to let go of sometimes, yeah. but amazing things happen when you hire the right people, but then trust them to do their jobs. And I think that's, I keep coming back to that concept and it, it really is not to bring us full circle, but it's about trust again. Yeah. And, but in trust, you, you owe it to the customer and to the employee. You, again, we can, we can talk about this all day. I'm sure we could, but there's that accountability piece too, though. Yeah. And I think that's the other part I, to answer your question. Um, I don't think the consumer was necessarily dumber. I just think that, that there was, there was lack of accountability. So we tried to cookie cut our mm. solutions. And this is the answer you should give if someone says this, this is what you can do if someone says this. So we tried to cookie cut this to make it scalable. Sure. And I think part of that is it's hard to get good people. Mm. It's hard to get good customers and it's hard to get good employees. Mm -hmm. How many interviews do we do a year, Ian, you and I, between the whole, just in our, in our industry, in our company, right? A lot. Let's take, right. So can you imagine a company on the scale of thousands yeah. how many people they have to get through. And if I were to ask a CEO right now, who would you put, you know, as your top or your, what's the percentage of great employees you have? It, it's hard. It's hard to find good people. It's hard to hold on to good people. You know what they want? They want to be held accountable. Mm. They want to be held accountable. I love companies that come back and go, Hey, you bought this. Are you using it? Hey, you haven't logged in in a few weeks. What the hell? Mm -hmm. Like I, you're giving me money, but you know, it's like, I'm not going to scare them off. What I'm going to do is say, you're right. I did spend money on that. And it was a good idea at the time, but now it's not. So make it a good idea for me again. Um, and it's the same way with our people. Um, so yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of responsibility we have to make customers better. And I think your analogy of, of, of employees is the same thing. I think you're spot on. We got to stop cookie cuttering. Um, if that's a word. Um, yeah, sure. let's, let's make it a word. <laughs> It's official. <laughs> um, but I also think we, we owe that accountability. We, we, you know, it, you can't expect a good employee to stay good if you don't circle back around with them and give them feedback. If you don't yeah. give them that, that accountability of, Hey, I trusted you. This is what you had to do. Great job. Or, all right, wasn't that great. Let's talk about this. Let's pick, let's pick it apart and put it back together again. Yeah. And I think that's where we've lost 
the skill set. I think a lot of companies have lost the ability to mentor, to train, to develop. I think a lot of companies have moved into managing. We just manage to get by. We okay. manage to put a body out there. You know, <laughs> we don't necessarily go out and, and think in our brains that that person's success is directly tied to my success. Yeah. And I can give everything I have to that person. And if I don't have enough, get more for them. Um, I, I think it's a lot like customers. I think what we do is we go out and we just get new employees. Oh, they didn't work. Let's just get a new one. And it's that rotation of warm bodies. Yeah. So I think it's, a, it's I think it's two handed, right? Do you have the right person? Hold them accountable. And accountability might be saying goodbye. And I'll let you in on a secret. You do say goodbye to some customers too. For sure. Companies should seriously look at their portfolio and go, that's not my business. And I'm not, I can't change my business to serve you. But it's the same way with employees. You're not my employee anymore. You, you don't match the needs of the business. I did this, this, and this. I, I did everything I could to help you, but it's just not working. And you got to part ways. And that's what accountability should come down to, right? One bad fit customer can completely throw off your business plan for the year. And especially if they're big, right? Like the worst case scenario is you have a big customer that's let's say 60 to 80% of your revenue and they become a bad fit customer just based off of uh, ideological standpoints as far as like approach on something or, you know, requirements within the system that, you know, you're not going to custom develop something for them. We've experienced it here. I've experienced it at other companies. It's not isolated to, to SaaS e either. Um, there's always going to be those companies um, that just trans, they start great and then they kind of eventually get into the bad fit territory, which then drags down your entire org from a resource standpoint, but also like it's a morale thing. At, at some point it becomes like a morale issue where you have people that are just dealing with, um, I hate to say it, but like once it gets bad, it gets bad, right? Like you have attitudes and you have um, just, a difficult time managing the personalities sometimes is a, is a very politically correct way to put it. But well, I always say resentful. I, I think yeah, that's, resentful. that's what I was going at. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like you know, just because if they're cutting you a big check and they make out a majority of your business, you're bending over backwards, you're dancing, you're throwing every resource you add. But this guy will never have that kind of bank. Let's be honest, mm. or or will never excite you as much as that does. But why aren't we? trying to find a way to solve those problems for this customer also. And, yeah. you know, would you rather have one big bad customer or 30, 40 smaller, great customers? Well, that seems, yeah. it seems like an obvious equation, but you're right. We, we get blinded sometimes that that dollar amount and that scalability thing clash. And you can see like, um, just to get a little detailed on this, um, it can go off the rails. So like if you have a bunch of bad fit customers and like if you're early stage SaaS and you're just taking a bunch of clients on because you just need the revenue and then they turn out to be 80% bad fit and then your CSM team is scrambling to serve these guys. Um, it's really difficult to survive or grow at that point. Um, and that's why, I mean, plug for marketing here. I think it's a marketing and sales issue really. So like, are you targeting the right people? Do you know who the right people are? Uh, but it's a different conversation, but it, you can tell how like these things are all interrelated and it's very much a delicate ecosystem. If one thing over here goes off, the other things are going to be affected three, 10 X down the line. Um, it's difficult. That's why this is hard. And, you know, 
SaaS in general, it's you got to do certain things the correct way to to scale it properly. But anyways, off topic there. But I think your point, Carrie, of like, you know, things change. Your experience at Allbirds, you were a promoter. Now you're, in your opinion, a detractor, which is really interesting. I love that that feedback of like, you know, I'm not really ever a passive. I'm either a promoter or a detractor, but I think it speaks to like, you're, you're on that scale of like a five out of active, you know, promoter detractor. Like if you are a promoter, you're a full blown promoter that are, is very active. If you are a detractor, you're a very active detractor that will talk to the manager. I mean, that's, I think it's like almost like a personality type or something that it's important though, because there, there are things that you would serve a very different purpose for a business if you were a promoter versus somebody that's on this, like the one scale of the activity scale, like this, that person would be a promoter, but they wouldn't actively do anything for your business probably, Um, which is a different need, but it's still great to have them. But I would take five of you over 10 of them any day. I think even if you are a detractor for a short period of time. Well, I think we got a bunch of them. How many times in the office, a topic comes up about something and then we, we all need to get our voices heard on why we love it or hate it. You know, yeah. there's the, yeah. there's the Chipotle Cadoba, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I can go down the list of different things that may come up. Oh, it's crap. Or, Oh, I love it. There's yeah. nothing better, you know, and it, it could be that small food truck that we visit on Thursdays yeah. um, to, to really big brands that we really rally behind and, mm-hmm. and we want to see be successful. Um, Cause it does feel like there's a mutual, like, like if they do well, I mean, it's almost like, like secretly, it feels like I do well too. Yeah. You know, like I, I was waiting for my Sonos email, you know, <laughs> all weekend because I want that one more speaker to add to my set and it came and I was excited. I knew it was coming, yeah. but I wasn't a Sonos fan like that two years ago. You know, you gave me my first one, you know, yeah. and, and, and now I'm, now I'm just like you, I'm, I'm, I'm a raving fan. Yeah. Um, so I think promoters rub off on other, or, or, or what do we call these personalities? We got to come up with a name of this, but whatever this, this. I think uh, <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell calls him, uh, what does he call him? Oh God. He's got a really good book uh, on it. Um, I got him completely blanking, but I think they're called mavens. Yeah. Mavens. So basically people that are influencers or oh, in yeah, the space. Yeah. So like if you're if you like something, Carrie, you're gonna try to get everybody else around you to like it too. Something like that. Yeah, we that, did the right? whole LinkedIn campaign earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah. So it's like I want other people to be as excited as I am. Why? Yeah. I don't want the brand to go away. I want them to be successful. Yeah. Um it's almost counter intuitive in some ways because they're gonna make a lot of money and forget me. Right. People are gonna outspend me and I'm not gonna be as important to them anymore. But I yeah. kind of feel like I'm doing my role to make them stick around and be successful. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to put my reputation on the line, but yeah, I like celebrating when something's really good. Um, on the flip side, I wouldn't say I normally trash, but I would speak out and say, well, we don't want to do that. That's not a smart decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's interesting. I, I love these. Uh, we're going to call them everyday experiences. We're literally, <laughs> we talk shop. We just wrap on a couple common, uh, things that have happened to us in our lives. I mean, it's, it's so amazing too, like how wide reaching these things are. Cause we deal with like B2B vendors that we're buying software from or services from. I could, I give, I could give you a hundred stories about like great experiences with those guys or bad experiences with them. Um, same thing we're on the B2C side. Um, 
we're all consumers, right? I mean, there are certain brands that I, I love and there are certain brands that are very popular that I just, I've had terrible experiences with and I won't go back to them. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And I think everybody has a different experience too, which is, which is kind of the, the really unique piece is that it just goes to show that a lot of these companies don't really have a solidified plan in place or they're just kind of winging it, um, which is interesting. You'd expect more from some of these bigger ones, but you never know. And you, well, you boil it down to it's people doing it though. Yeah. As automated as we're becoming, as, as, as much as we try to put systems in place that will emulate or simulate what you and I would do as human beings, we're still not going to ever be at a place where it's going to replace that human touch of getting on and listening, mm -hmm. speaking to, of showing empathy. I've yet to see a chatbot do empathy really well, you know? <laughs> Um, no. If it did, I'd spend a lot more time with it, um, <laughs> you know, but the reality is, is, you know, I don't think humans are going to be replaced. I think if we leverage the technology, if we leverage the automation, the artificial intelligence, well, then we can spend more time going back to doing what was important mm. and developing and fostering really strong relationships yeah. and really taking in feedback, doing things about that. Um, and again, this, this might be a whole nother AI technology conversation that we might need to have, but I don't think they're coming for us. I don't think they're coming to take over our jobs. We just need to find the healthy way to use them. They can't be a replacement for what's made companies good over the years. And at the end of the day, as great as your product is, you will forget about it if the people behind it aren't good. Boom. We're ending on that. That's a mic drop moment, I think. So. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I mean, we're going to probably do these a couple times every other month or so just to kind of talk about something we've encountered in our daily life. We'll try to relate it to B2B the best we can. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the Account Experience Podcast. And please like and share with your friends. And we'll talk soon. This episode of the Account Experience Podcast is sponsored by Customer Gauge, the leading B2B account experience software that ties revenue to your experience data in real time to help you make better account-centric decisions that drive revenue growth. Quick question, what do you guys think is the number one reason B2B experience programs fail? Believe it or not, it's lack of C-suite buy-in. And in Customer Gauge's research with MIT, they found the quickest way to align yourselves with the C-suite is to actually align with what they care about most, which is revenue. That's why Customer Gauge is literally built from the ground up to maximize and track the revenue contribution from your experience program in real time. Companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer. One Login, Iron Mountain, H&R Block, Super Office, and Sugar CRM are already using Customer Gauge to maximize their growth by tying their programs to revenue. And with over $10 billion worth of account revenue actively being managed in Customer Gauge, yeah, that's billion with a B. They're the leader in the space. But maybe even more interesting, they found that once you get alignment with that C-suite, the needs of these B2B practitioners or the program champions are evolving too. In such a complex account environment, it can be really tough to measure and act on feedback quickly across multiple departments, divisions, or even locations. Luckily, Customer Gauge has you covered there as well. With account native features that easily help you not only measure the feedback from multiple stakeholders in an account, but act on that feedback in real time. Because at the end of the day, 
If you're not empowering your frontline staff with the right insights to address customer issues, you're going to be dealing with a churn issue. It's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when. Customer Gauge helps you distribute this experience data across your entire organization, regardless of department, regardless of location, regardless of division, all in real time. No manual spreadsheets or a team of analysts are needed. Customer Gauge's mission is to help B2B companies harness the power of account-centric growth to drive meaningful change in their businesses. And that's a powerful thing. If you want to see Customer Gauge in action, go ahead and check out customergauge.com and get a demo of account experience today. You won't regret it.